Huntsville in History uncovers the stories of Huntsville, Alabama, the first city of the state and the site of the region's oldest archives. Based on court cases and primary sources of the time, historian John O'Brien and co-host Ben Job guide you through the bizarre, surprising, and sometimes deeply troubling records that make up Huntsville's history. Like $50 an hour, yeah. dog? Dude, there's people that do travel nursing for like intensive care and they get 100 something dollars an hour. It's crazy. That's a lot of a lot of demand. Are we rolling? <laughs> Everyone get your RN. Yeah. If you don't mind traveling. No, I <laughs> for all of our for all of our listeners, I when he said a hundred dollars an hour, my face dropped. Because when I've I've heard that. I guess I haven't been offered that job or I might be there. I mean, everyone get your RN and go wake up anesthesia patient patients two days out of the week in Tennessee yeah. for like, no, I think the hundred dollars is like Alaska. Yeah. And, and like, I don't know, the well, Netherlands. I mean, for like 48. <laughs> yeah, still, heck yeah, right? heck yeah, yeah. I thought I was a baller when I was making $14 an hour. Right. Yeah. Well, by Alabama standards. I, yeah. News, weather, sports, <laughs> valley. Sports valley. It's a, it's a new sitcom from NBC about a retired football coach in central california but he's from mississippi and he's oh. trying to teach people life lessons through screaming at but he tries to teach the kids but the kids end up teaching him no the kids don't teach him anything <laughs> <laughs> he goes back to mississippi hating california and the divide gets wider in america <laughs> He just goes home and urges <laughs> partisan warfare, and uh, it's not really a good show. It doesn't bridge any gaps. No oh, one learned. Don't watch it. Sports Valley's rough. <laughs> they did not have a moral of the episode at the end. Sports Valley, it's just nihilistic hatred of anyone that isn't in your tribe. That's that's what, yeah. So what did America teach us in the end? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Hate. No. Let's get chilly in here. Yeah. Oh. So snap. My thumb. I my wife has been telling me to quit picking at my thumbnails. And is that I, a nervous kind of thing? Like, because I pull off the side bits, like the little the little skin that gets on the side of your finger. Like I just, you know, kind of tear that off sometimes. I don't know. Is that the same thing or is it just? No, when I was very young, I used to let my nails grow too long, and ah. people would get on to me for it, because mm -hmm. I was like a boy with long nails, and I think I really internalized that. But I'm also, I have an, I have a phobia of nail clippers. Oh, like big ones or small ones or just any size? All, all of the nail, I have an irrational fear of nail clippers. This is, this is crazy, because the only thing that like messes with me is people messing with my nails. Like, seriously, yeah. my girlfriend is a nail tech. Like, she does, mm -hmm. and now she works at a podiatrist's office, so she deals with the intense nails, you know, like two years of fungal growth kind of stuff. But, yeah, we might we might really gross out our listeners <laughs> with this weather episode. But, like, she'll touch my, she'll be, like, cutting my nails or, like, doing the cuticle, and I'll be sweating. Like, yeah. the nails freak me out. No, anyone, anything mechanical coming anywhere really? near, like, my nails it just i 
when we were in Thailand, we went to go get like a pedicure. Mm -hmm. And the whole time I was like intensely uncomfortable. (sighs) It was nice. My feet looked great. Everyone was really friendly, (laughs) et cetera. But I was just like, (sighs) just, you did it though. You like, you conquered the fear. I didn't even speak the language well. And then you just, I did it the one time. And then I was like, (laughs) that was it. I mean, yeah, like, what's what's that Leonard Skinner lyric? Uh, Things I like, I try them twice. Mm. Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> did not want that one more than once. No. Did they use any, like, uh, do they have any crazy tools or anything? I, I don't know. I've never gotten a pedicure in the United States compared to... Oh, well, I mean, in, in Thailand, did they have anything? Well, that, that's what I just said. I didn't know. I didn't mm. know. I don't you know, You just ben. looked away? I... I stared at myself. <laughs> you just blacked it, out for the whole thing. You can't remember a piece. I stared at my own reflection in the shop window. <laughs> How did you look? <laughs> I, I looked sad. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. I feel so bad. Like, but you did it. I'm like proud of you. From as another person that like I'm kind of messing with my nails or trying not to mess with my nails right now because I'm thinking about it too much. Yeah. Oh man, people are gonna like send us nail memes or something. I, I guess so. Isn't that what the inter- internet is for? I mean, digital torture. We have to get more listeners. We gotta get more likes and subscribes, guys. Yeah, listeners. Listener. I I like putting an H in front of mm-hmm. um, various consonants. That was English, man. Was, yeah. Just cram all these languages together. See what happens. Also sounds. <laughs> we'll just cover up most of the U.S. and force the internet to use it. It'll be great. I don't know if we forced it. I don't know. I, of all the things we we have forced on the world, I don't know if English is is uh was mandatory. It was the British. <laughs> I've got. I've actually speaking of the British. <laughs> oh, good segue. <laughs> oh yeah, John Dalton. I was looking up people. I was looking up like famous people. And I, and I was like, John knows so much about so much stuff. I'm going to like read through a list eventually, and I'm going to get to one, and he's going to be like, oh, fun story. Ah. <laughs> but John Dalton was apparently a pretty famous like meteorologist from England. He was the first meteorologist. See? I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> you were sitting there, and I was like, I don't know if he knows some factoids, but he, you got him. He came up with the term meteorology. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's why he pulls up so fast on Google. I don't just Google things, though. I look at Google Scholar too. <laughs> I made a face with raised eyebrows. I forget it was the sort of accepting. <laughs> yeah, it was better than nothing. Yeah, but man, we've got a, a human weather vane. Is that are there other titles for uh, for our gentleman that we're speaking of tonight? All right, so today we are we've been doing a lot of heavy stuff. That's true because we've been messing around mostly in the 19th century, and mm-hmm. it turns out. I don't know if anyone knew this. The 1800s were heavy. Yeah, no doubt. A lot of a lot of things happened in the United States mm-hmm. and specific, specifically in the American South mm-hmm. that were bad. No way around that one. Yeah, that and it's a huge chunk, so. I mean, pretty much <laughs> everything until 1965 mm-hmm. was actually mm-hmm. kind of awful, but the echoes of the 1800s just kept going. You know what? The long 19th century. That's mm-hmm. that's actually a uh, concept in historiography, like really? the study of the study of history or whatever. Right. Um, is, th- is that phrases like 
the 19th century, the 20th century, 17th century, etc. They kind of ignore that trends mm-hmm. and repercussions and like cultural eras, etc. Don't just stop right. once you go from like <laughs> something that ends in a nine to something that like ends in right. a zero. And so you'll see uh, one of the big ones is like the long 17th century. Mm-hmm. So like the 1600s actually lasted in terms of uh, sort of cultural influence and the worldview that was prevalent in Europe and its colonies uh, lasted until like the 1740s. Wow. And then there's that famous phrase that like the 20th century started in 1914, you know, mm-hmm. like the start of World War One was really the start right. of the 20th century. And I think we're finally getting into the 21st century here, like the meat and potatoes of it. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, suddenly we're the hyperpowers are sort of collapsing and you're seeing a more multipolar world developing and uh, the rise of sort of Africa in the tech sphere and mm-hmm. just a lot of stuff that people 30 years ago would not have been able to predict. Oh, yeah. And suddenly, you know, like. The, the fact that China went from one of the world's poorest countries to the second largest economy in our lifetime. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's... And the way they did it, like, there's a... I, I mean, there's so many people... I don't know if it's just, uh, what do you call it, central, like, cultural bias or whatever, but they're like a communist nation with such and such uh, qualities. But, it you know, it's, it's very quasi-communist, but still... Like, yeah, people are just like, well, capitalism does this and makes more Americas. That's how that's how the planet Earth works. Yeah, I mean, Deng Xiaoping and then mm-hmm. chi- like socialism with Chinese characteristics, et cetera, et cetera. But this is not a Chinese history podcast. So <laughs> next uh, year, after your other book, after your first book, I guess. No, there's let's say you have books. <laughs> there's 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 too many good like East Asian history focused podcasts mm-hmm. done by people who (laughs) really care and like get in there like there's too many of those for me to try and like throw my hat in the Mm -hmm. ring and be like ah (laughs) i read i read four books about this as opposed (laughs) to like i was setting up my bookshelf today and my wife was like because i had got a new office Mm -hmm. redid our office at home and uh my wife was like so is that all of your books? And I'm like, no, this is just American history. This, this is just like Southern history. This is just the, and she was, that's so, and I was, she was just cackling. Cause I was, I came out and like, I had books from like my knees and all the way. Oh, and yeah. I was holding them with my chin and I was like, I got this, you know? Well, I mean, I'm sure you've been there before. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta read them all. Um, it's a Pokemon. It, <laughs> Walt yeah. Cagle. Walt Cagle. The man's name is Walter Cagle. That's who we're talking about today. Um, one of the really interesting things about Walt Cagle is he's already kind of famous, mm. right? Uh, I'm moving out. We're we're moving out of the 18th and 19th centuries here for a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're gonna look at something that happened in the 1930s. Great Depression, well documented. There's already like work that's been done on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's not just me like coming out of an archive screaming, but most of the stuff that's been done on him kind of focuses on just haha 
wasn't this interesting. What a weird thing. And to be fair, Walt Cagle, weird thing. (laughs) Uh, Weird human. When I first found him, it was a few years ago, like my first interaction with the story of Walt Cagle, I was looking at um, the Huntsville Times from like the 1930s, looking for stuff on low-income housing and slum clearances and sort of the start of urban renewal programs Mm -hmm. in Alabama because Alabama sits at the forefront of early urban renewal stuff. That's a whole nother series. Yeah. That could probably be a season. There's good stuff in there. Uh, I think that would be super interesting, especially like comparing it to how it uh, influenced the rest of America too. Well, I mean, yeah, the architect of the United States urban, uh, urban housing, like urban renewal and social housing, low income housing policy Mm -hmm. from, literally when we first started doing it until like the 1970s and 1980s was John Sparkman. Mm. And I don't know if people have been to Huntsville, but there's, yeah, you'll, there's, you'll see Sparkman. around. <laughs> there's a couple things named after him. Here. Um, so anyways, yeah. So I was going through when I was looking at stuff about the history of like urban renewal or et cetera in yeah. Alabama. And one of the things that I love is when you're going and you're using the microfilm machine, the microfiche, and you're just like cranking through because mm-hmm. you're trying, because you know about the time period that you want, like the month and the few days in there, and you stop just to like see how close you are, and mm-hmm. then you find something crazy. Something random, yeah. <laughs> right? And so I do think the precision of search engines can sometimes prevent these happy accidents. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, this was like 2014 or something. I'm cranking through. I stop for a second to see if I'm like near the month. And all I see is 500-pound weather prophet of Boaz dies. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) what? (laughs) (laughs) And so I just just filed that away. I was like, Uh there was a a shining star spark. That was just like, there's a weather prophet. Yes. At some point. What? Mm-hmm. And so that, that's why Ben opened with... Oh, yeah. John Dalton. My stuff. Weather prophet. Yeah, I guess I should, like, give uh, some semblance of <laughs> genre before I go into things. Yeah. Welcome to Hunt's Villain. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, by the way. Oh, by the way. Uh, welcome to this local history podcast. You should all be nurses. <laughs> yeah. So, actually... Do you change your field right now i mean if oh no don't do that stick with it if you love it if you love history specifically keep working and write us i was talking to someone the other day oh yeah about how like when i told my family i wanted to get a history degree mm-hmm. everyone was like get a business degree and i was like no i want to get a history degree i i was i i wake up in the morning and think about and love this and yeah get a business degree man you'll be way more employable and i'm like sure but what <laughs> yeah what will you be doing those eight hours a day yeah unless you're the business of history i don't know <laughs> history of business hey. dun, dun, dun. there's i mean it's a field it's a oh, part yeah. of it yeah there's people that are really into mm-hmm. like local businesses or i mean I fell, I've fallen down many wiki holes reading about uh, yeah. the history of fast food uh, fast food mm-hmm. companies. 
Taco Bell for, was originally a hot dog stand. Really? Yeah, and the guy was across the street from a Mexican restaurant, mm-hmm. and he would go in there and eat a couple of times a week. <laughs> and so he started like... He was like, oh, this is good. I yeah. can't eat hot dogs every day of the week, but this he Mexican brought a, food... Mm. Yeah, he brought a notepad and started like copying down the ingredients and mm-hmm. went home and tried to reverse engineer it. And so just straight up stole this family's Yank. like... Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. There's every small town in Alabama, any place in the South, Texas. There's there may not be a bank, but there's going to be a Mexican restaurant. Oh yeah. Like I don't even know if this is scientifically prove it, provable, but if you drive through the South, you're gonna see it. Well, I mean, there's the Mississippi Tamale Trail. Oh, what? I have no idea what this is, but I'm very excited because I want to go on it. <laughs> is there a boat route? Because I would like to just hop in a kayak and eat tamales for like. Well, I mean, like the first, my life. the the first Hispanic and like, mm-hmm. m- well, I mean, look, okay, so first off, Southern <laughs> Alabama and Mississippi were part of Spain, mm-hmm. and so there were like, there's like French and Spanish forts. There's literally a town in Alabama called Spanish Fort. Mm-hmm. Like, all of these places were part of New Spain, and they left behind an influence. But then there were also in the 1870s there started to be an influx of Chinese and I mean, but mostly in Arkansas, but then also uh, Hispanic workers into Mississippi and Louisiana and Alabama. And that influence um, stayed the strongest in Mississippi. And so they passed on tamales and Mm -hmm. there's parts of Mississippi where tamales are considered like, because the Mississippi tamale, they switched some stuff up right. and put like sauces that were more appealing to like the southern palate at the time, and they started doing different things. And so there's parts of Mississippi where they have their own take on the tamale. Oh, man. And so there's like a heritage trail, and you can go all up and down the Mississippi River just eating tamales. Oh man, I want to do that so bad. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like the best summer. It probably. Ever. I mean, you. Yeah, I mean Mississippi road trip. Mm-hmm. That would be that would be the jam. Hey, give us some money. We'll sponsor us. Yeah, we'll get in a blimp and we'll go to Mississippi. We'll get in a blimp. <laughs> the most uh, cost-effective vehicle. <laughs> if you if you chart it all out, <laughs> not the cars we already own. No, no, no. It's a blimp. You're gonna pour down a money down a GoFundMe hole. It might as well be a blimp, guys. Come on, Mississippi tamale. <laughs> the Mississippi blimp. tamale blimp. Dream big, John. <laughs> oh, speaking of big dreams, I'm, t- I'm here to keep you on track. <laughs> the Mississippi blimp. <laughs> yeah, big dreams, guys. That uh, so tell us. I I won't spoil anything because I'm excited about this. When you just told me about it, I was like, this is interesting. Yeah, this guy had a method. Uh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Walter Cagle, all of the previous stuff on him, and I mean, I'd. <sighs> I could only ever find like newspaper articles about him, but all the previous stuff on him uh, kind of focuses on a f- couple of themes. It's like, huh, look at these hillbillies and their weather mm-hmm. profit. Huh, look at the exact measurements that they give because they'd be like, oh, he had a 72 inch waist and he weighed 525 pounds and he had to get, they required 14 yards of flannel to make his underwear and this, that, and mm-hmm. the other. Mm hmm. And so it kind of ignores just 
the, the I mean he was famous. <laughs> it kind of ignores the story. Like, right, right. Walt Cagle was the first clickbait. Mm. Well, he wasn't the first click- clickbait, but he was he was <laughs> clickbait. So <clears throat> Homeboy is born March mm-hmm. 6, 1891. His mom's name is like Luana Harris Cagle or whatever. I actually did I write that down? I'm opening up the big oh, book the of tome. secrets. It's got a lock on it. You can just... Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't matter. So, yeah. So, she gives birth. He's fine. He's actually Mm normal-sized for most of his life. Okay. Right? So, he's a farmer in Mountainboro, Alabama, which is in Marshall County. Right? It's near... It's like four miles away from Boaz. Okay. And it was actually absorbed by Boaz in 2009. And for those listeners who aren't aware of Boaz, um, biblical figure, but also the place where prior to the invention of Amazon, my family and I would go to buy discounted blue jeans. Mm. I don't know if anyone else has this memory. Everyone would go get in the car Mm -hmm. and you would go to Boaz and they had like the factory direct warehouses where the Ah. blue jeans had been stitched wrong or something and so they were super cheap nice yeah man boaz was like the place to be really i had no idea yeah for blue jeans and western wear like Mm -hmm. i got a cowboy hat in boaz i was like yeah i got a (laughs) but then of course was it uh was it denim or was it what kind of cowboy hat leather i don't know uh yeah like leather legit yeah but then of course you can make anything out of denim yeah (laughs) Canadian tuxedo. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but of no, course. No, give me a. Is Boaz in San, near Sound, Sand Mountain? Yeah, Boaz. Okay. So they literally. I always heard about Sand Mountain when I was a kid, but I never heard about like Boaz. Boaz is one of the communities around Sand Mountain. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so they actually call this guy the, uh, the prophet of Sand Mountain. Right. Yeah. See, I think it, for Alabamians, Sand Mountain. Has, there's tales about Sand Mountain. Yeah. Like, there's snake handlers in Sand Mountain. Mm-hmm. Now there's a meth problem in Sand Mountain. There's uh, a whole episode <laughs> of intervent, Intervention about Sand Mountain. What? <laughs> yeah, they they literally, they had a special about Sand Mountain where they called it Meth Mountain. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, man. But, like, the people out there are really nice. I've mm-hmm. had, I've been to, a, like, a few Thanksgivings out in, yeah. like, Arab, which there's a town in Alabama called Arab. We have to explain all the Alabama stuff to the people. The very Alabama-specific <laughs> things. Not Arab. 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 Uh, spelled the same, though. I mean, spelled, it was supposed to be Ahab, but, or like Arab. Yeah, didn't they like it was goof, Arab. goof on the, like, when they wrote it down or something? Yeah. That's, the, what, that's the story I heard. The current local legend is it was supposed to be Arab, but then the postmaster <laughs> wrote a B instead. <laughs> and goofed. Which was a, which is another biblical town name. I think it was like the son of Boaz. <laughs> Joking, I don't remember. Um, <clears throat> begat, begat. Yeah, the begats. <laughs> All right, so Homeboy <laughs> is a farmer in Mountain Brew, Alabama. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He marries a woman named Minnie, who is very nice, right? So, unfortunately, in 1923, around... Let me see, he was 47 when he died, so... Like, I don't know, he was 30-something, yeah. early 30s. So well, around ni- his life there. Yeah. 
so around 1923 he took down sick Mm. is the way she described it like that's a literal quote he took down sick and he entered a short coma wow for about a week and this was out of nowhere like he would just had a terrible illness Mm -hmm. and fell into a coma and he woke up a week later and he was just ravenous and started putting on weight really rapidly. Interesting. Yeah, like there's there's like a medical mystery here. Yeah, I was about to say I don't, yeah. I don't need more details. I mean, as a nurse, can you diagnose this? <laughs> no week long coma from the 1900s. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I looked up like the stuff for like a diabetic coma. Yeah, but yeah. It doesn't. I don't know, the symptoms don't really match up. Mm-hmm. But, of course, then that's not really my area of expertise. Right. So I can't tell nobody nothing. <laughs> but, yeah, so there's, like, a medical mystery here. Um, so he starts rapidly gaining weight, right. eventually topping out over 500 pounds. Wow. Right? And when this happens, he has to slow down on the farm Mm-hmm. So he's not as just he's not as physically capable of being as active as he previously was, mm-hmm. and he starts watching animals a lot. Like he's doing the thing that humans have done for like a couple hundred thousand years, which is let the natural world tell him what's yeah. going to be happening in the natural world. Mm-hmm. He learned how to read the news, right, and so. If birds would fly south earlier than they normally do, he's he would be like, it's going to be a really cold, wet winter. Mm-hmm. If the squirrels and chipmunks started hoarding all their ground nuts in like really large amounts, he would be like, this will be a tough one. Mm-hmm. And so over over time, he built up this really fantastic sort of natural vocabulary. Yeah. And we can see from this, right, that he's not just a gimmick. He's a very intelligent Mm-hmm. and thoughtful and observant person. And so that's sort of what I got out of reading more about him, right? And so... Yeah, in between all the, like, ha-ha, Alabama, yeah. which is a lot of the news stories people write about Alabama. Exactly. So, yeah, in between all of the, like, huh, look at these, mm-hmm. look at these little gibbering village idiots, which, I mean, you know, but we got those we, everywhere has everywhere's those. got them though <laughs> everywhere has those like <laughs> i've definitely been in other parts of the united states and seen people act a fool oh yeah right like it's not just i mean there is a concentration it's just Florida, different flavors but of gibbering idiot <laughs> yeah it's just different flavors of gibbering idiot i mean one of <laughs> Here comes his tail. <laughs> I was drink. I was at a coffee shop in in Thailand, and I was getting like a cup of coffee, and this woman is riding on a bicycle the wrong way into traffic, Ooh. and just screaming, <laughs> like long flowing graying hair, like an older lady on a. Going directly into Jesus. motor traffic, like cars and bicycles, and I'm just and she's got like a broom on the back, and I'm like, is she a witch? What's happening? And she's just screaming, coming directly 
And I was just, just like... letting the world have it. Yeah, and then immediately... <laughs> this is what's happening to you! <laughs> and immediately after I saw that woman, a guy drove past on a, on a motorcycle, and he had, like nazi regalia on his what? helmet i mean but it was in thailand i think he just thought it looked cool oh no it's totally out of context <laughs> right he just come by he's got like a swastika and an iron cross and i was just like where am i <laughs> like it's yeah <laughs> Was he chasing her? Or was that just the other? No, was he was, he was turning it? the other way. He was turning with the flow of traffic. And the best part. That's why you travel, guys. There was like a traffic cop just chilling. And he wa- he's smoking he's, a cigarette. He's doing the not today. Like, mm-mm, yeah. Mm-mm. I, I watched him break. the whole time. He sees this woman screaming, going the wrong way into traffic. And he just turns and goes into the market and buys some chicken and comes back out. He's like eating the chicken. And I'm just like, I probably would have done that too. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, no joke. So, so the places overseas, I'm not trying to stereotype or anything, but there's some crazy cra- traffic laws and like, or lack of. I know France. Yeah. Man, they have their roads are ancient. The cars are too big to fit on the roads and they're all made of cobblestone and they drive quite fast. Maybe that's just my uh American fear. It's like, why aren't they all flat? <laughs> it's intense, man. Right? <laughs> so everywhere has uh everywhere is Walt their own, Kegel. Their own taste. Yeah. Their, <laughs> Walt Kegels. Their own, their their own, own group, Walt Kegels. Their own local eccentrics. But so, yeah. So, Walt Kegel, he has to go and mm-hmm. get increasingly large clothing supplies. Mm. And it gets to the point where, sort of organically, very naturally, he would show up in town. Mm-hmm. And he's have, he's got this whole wealth of knowledge. And he would go to the C.H. Leith General Store yeah, and sit on the back porch and purchase... I knew there was a porch in this story. It's yeah. It's story without a porch. I mean, right? <laughs> and so he would go to the C.H. Leith General Store, sit on the back per- porch, and purchase, you know, X amount of yards mm-hmm. of flannel or mm-hmm. have to get specially made overalls, mm. right? And people would come... Yeah. To listen to the guy. Like, everyone in Boaz would be like, it's Walt Cagle Day. Right. Oh, yeah. Or like, you know, like, oh, Walt's coming. And the thing well, got is. got a lot of farmers. I mean. I mean exactly. <laughs> They'll take the clue even if they don't believe it. I mean. And well, he probably had a great reputation by then, too. Yeah, he had a good reputation and he was right most of the time. Mm-hmm. And he could give you, like, not exact weather service level dates, but he would be like, It'll be, it'll, we're going to have zero weather by Christmas mm. and it'll be snowing and you need to get your crops in early and everyone will be like, all right, Walt, you yeah. seem to know what you're doing. Oh, especially like in a certain area. I don't know how much of like a weather, what do you call it? Like secluded area this is in yeah. Alabama, but it is, it is like a separate climate from a lot of the regions like around. I mean, we and are. Once you see, you know, yeah. once I mean, growing up in the same place over and over, and being a farmer, you know, they're always looking for the signs. I mean, that the almanac, all that stuff. Oh yeah, that is the Bible for if you're trying to make a living off that. I'm not even a farmer, and I used to buy like mm-hmm. the old farmer's almanac oh, just because yeah. it was better than the weather report. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would just I quit doing that eventually because mm-hmm. we have weather apps now. But wow, this is. 
I did a lot of my living before the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Now there's the interwebs. Yeah. No, I was like, uh, I definitely had copies of the Farmer's Almanac just in my books. Yeah. Like growing up. And it was just random years. It'd be like, oh, there's 87's farmer's almanac or whatever what happened in the weather then yeah 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 and and uh it's i don't know i this is kind of i tried to look up some articles on noaa uh because i was researching stuff about this and they're shut down for the government shutdown so uh i I was like ah shucks i need to double verify my stuff if i'm gonna say stuff yeah and uh i mean get your act together noah's down yeah so he becomes uh, Sand Mountain's version mm-hmm. of like Punxsutawney Phil a little right. bit, <laughs> and so fun fact about he's Punxs- a groundhog, right? Yes. <laughs> so fun fact about Punxsutawney Phil: um, one, they've been doing it since 1886. Mm-hmm. That one town in Pennsylvania, and then two, uh, a bunch of other states also use groundhogs. They're just not as famous so atlanta has one the atlanta zoo has Mm -hmm, one yeah um there's a town in ohio with they call him buckeye chuck uh he's a whistle pig though oh is that different (laughs) no it's actually exactly the same (laughs) it's actually an an americanism for groundhogs right Mm -hmm. because like I don't know. Well, I was looking up stuff on groundhogs and stuff, and I heard I saw stuff about sun dogs, which yeah. I was like, "Oh, it's a prairie dog or something." It's another name for it, but it turns out there's like spots on the sun actually. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> so yeah, it's and that's all over. I was looking up stuff about Kentucky, and they were talking about the same same yeah. kind of critters. It's uh, the the idea of using a hibernating animal mm-hmm. to predict the weather is pretty old. Mm-hmm. Um, but Punxsutawney Phil tidbits. I just loved this one. In 2013, an Ohio prosecutor uh, called for the death penalty Ooh. for Punxsutawney Phil. Wanted him to be put to death because he'd gotten the weather wrong. And uh, You can't always be right. Yep. I'm sure Walter was wrong. It's occasionally. <laughs> no. Never, never. Uh, I should speak. Uh, uh, sorry, I, I apologize. No, uh, in in 1937, after he had predicted a long, hard winter, uh, it was actually one of the milder ones mm-hmm. for the first half of the winter. And everyone was like, well, all right, Walt, can't win them all. And then it got real it cold. Got real bad. And everyone was like, ah, Walter, you are the chosen. We're so sorry. And... So it's 1935. It's the depths of the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. You have this naturally occurring phenomena, and just like every other town that has a weird tradition yes. or something about it, the local newspaper man and some merchants got together and were like, "Let's capitalize <laughs> on this and make it a media like bonanza." Just, right. Exact. Good word. I was gonna say blowout. It's a blowout. But that makes it just sound like he was a tire. <laughs> well, while he was picking up his attire, hmm. they were like, ha, media bonanza time. Right, right. That's probably where my mind was going. All right. So, yeah, this guy's an obvious media attraction mm-hmm. because here's the thing. He's not just fat. He's also like six foot two. I was going to ask about his frame because like yeah. you can carry that weight. He's an exceptionally tall guy. Yeah. He's really strong. He famously, like, someone tried to pick a fight with him, and he just... <laughs> Why? I know. <laughs> like, 
right? <laughs> Where's that thought process coming? <laughs> They're like, I'm gonna fight this giant, and so he just like picks up a hickory stick and just, just. <laughs> <laughs> you remember John Goodman? And, <laughs> oh brother, where art thou? Yeah, that's. <laughs> if that guy was like, not in the clan and was uh, really yeah. good at weather, yeah. Did have a log though. Beat a dude with a log, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and so just went to town, ta- and that was part of his legend too. People were mm. like, people were like, Walter Cagle will fight you. Like, <laughs> he's really good natured, but he'll hit you with a hickory yeah. stick. So, so on December eighth, nineteen thirty-five, merchants, with the prompting of a local newspaper man, seized on Walt Cagle Day uh-huh. as a trade stimulator. Mm. Right. So, they go. They get a couple of local news reporters. They hype it up for like a week or two beforehand. They're like, this guy's going to come pick up his underwear. Oh, yeah. And everyone's like, yeah. Everyone's going to be there, guys. Trust us. (laughs) I mean, it was huge. And it was. I mean, yeah, it was like Sand Mountain (laughs) in 1935. I don't imagine they had too many other diversions. (laughs) So, yeah, everyone goes into Boaz that day. Mm -hmm. And Walt Cagle gets to, he comes into town. And they're. They put him on a fire truck, Mm-mm. and he's just going up and down the main street, telling oh, yeah. the, telling people what the weather's gonna be like. It's such a wholesome like Americana yeah, yeah, picture, yeah. right? And so then, um, he goes, and the mayor of the city, W. W. Creel, gives him the keys to the city of Boaz. All right. He's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's contests and prizes and all kinds of stuff. Uh, the mayor also gives the keys to the calaboose, which is like an archaic term for the jail. So okay. I'm thinking either the newspaper was trying to be funny and they were like, his wife also got the keys to the city, the old ball and chain, which is still dumb. Or uh-huh. or they literally just thought the jail did a really good job that year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so they awarded it to the jail. I either the jail or Minnie Cagle. I'm not oh, sure. Oh right, as yeah. a weird, yeah, brutally <laughs> <laughs> just or his prison. That is his wife, who's a really nice lady. Bakes <laughs> that's been supporting biscuits. him his yeah, yeah his entire like through sickness and all that. Yeah, just oh, I guess that may have been before his. Was he married before he got sick? Um, Do you know? Yeah, yeah. I think they. Well, there you go. She was with him the whole time. Yeah, she was. I mean, don't hate on Minnie. Yeah, Minnie's great. Creel's a jerk. Yeah, Creel. WW Creel. He doesn't get to go on the Mississippi Tamale Blimp. Mm -mm. Mm. So yeah, this guy. People from all over northeastern Mm -hmm. Alabama, Mm -hmm. like Jackson County, etc. They all come down to Boaz. They're buying stuff. All the merchants are happy, and he's riding a fire truck up and down Main Street. To the cheers of hundreds. That's just, that's a quote that I pulled. (laughs) Um, So yeah, he gets his underwear, has dinner, and goes home. Mm. 1936 happens. Nervous. Whoa. It's okay. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) He's gone from a local phenomena. Okay. To a regional phenomena. All right. So we're talking... People from Birmingham, Atlanta, mm-hmm. Chattanooga, all over, like, that sort of, like, corner. Right, right. Yeah. The the ABC corridor, mm-hmm. as they call it, for Atlanta, Birmingham, and Chattanooga, just for people that aren't. You non-Southerners. The, the, three, the three Yankees that listen to this. <laughs> so, we'll get four soon. 
So they go and they they go and they go out to his farm. They get a truck. They put him in the truck. They bring him back. Merchants are literally pouring gifts at his feet. Oh man, they're just giving him stuff right, at this right, point. Right. Uh, there's a beauty contest. Like there's a beauty okay. pageant, and Walt's the judge. <laughs> and so he gets to crown like Miss Boaz. All right. Who is Noreen? Who her name is Noreen Brock. There you go. I don't know. She doesn't show up again later, but I just yeah. Uh, new mayor. Because mm-hmm. I guess everyone was like, "Cruel's a jerk." Yeah. <laughs> The new mayor, Denson Bynum, gives him another set of keys to the city. Okay, good. <laughs> Just in case the first got changed. Right. Change some of the locks. It's like a huge deal, right? So to give you an idea of how much people enjoyed reading about this guy. Yeah. Uh, I went and I found a newspaper from Florida. Mm. Right. And I mean, he was in the New York Times. He was. Yeah. But so this newspaper from Florida is the St. Petersburg Evening Independent, which has since become defunct because mm-hmm. of the internet. I feel like that's the theme here. Is like <laughs> the internet. The internet killed, wrecked it. Um, Boaz and <laughs> <laughs> Boaz has never recovered from the internet. Legitimately, it has not. Uh, yeah. I guess yeah. So. so the St. Petersburg Evening Independent ran a story about him. Entitled Huge Weather Prophet Honored by Villagers, mm-hmm. which sounds like the most terrifying <laughs> Central European thing, right? <laughs> Huge weather prophet honored by villagers. Um, but he, he made the, the front... fires burned brightly. Exactly. <laughs> it's ho- like there could that that's a horror story. Like, yeah, yeah. If it wasn't such like a wholesome tale of Americana, it, well, yeah, like so that made the front page. Mm-hmm. To give you an idea, he shares space on the front page with updates on the Spanish Civil War. Oh, there you go. <laughs> he was right way up on the level. <laughs> and the succession crisis for who would become the new king of Britain. <laughs> <laughs> like it literally goes like who's gonna be who's gonna be the technical ruler of yeah. the world's largest, largest empire. empire? Yes. Oh my god. Spanish Civil War. Weather prophet uh. honored by village. People loved Walt Cagle. Like no doubt. he was nationwide, mm-hmm. all over. Mm-hmm. Um, so he starts getting fan mail. There's a museum that wants a pair of his overalls. Okay. Uh, he there's a circus that wants to hire him. He's invited to an amateur wrestling league after they hear about the like the how, walloping. Yeah, about how good he is at like whooping people. Um. And then underwear manufacturers from all over mm-hmm. the United States want okay. to offer Walt Cagle free underwear as like a promotional tool. Now, did he get the free underwear at the second Keys of the City event? Like, no, I wonder if still, Boaz keeps. He, he still had to pay S.H. Leith for the underwear. Yeah, I don't know, man. They're getting their cut. They're like, yeah, they're getting. Everyone they're... shops at S.H. Leith. Exactly. Even Walter Cagle. Especially Walter Cagle. Especially Walter Cagle. <laughs> so promotional tool and that's sort of the thing like Mm -hmm. there's this very real organic local tradition yeah that like people are like we could make money (laughs) and we could make money yeah yeah and so uh they they just blow it up like it for sure and it becomes like a small national phenomena but it loses some of the whole Oh, Walt Cagle's a smart guy from the mountain. 
who spends a lot of his time looking at birds and squirrels Mm -hmm. and he's an amateur naturalist pretty much. And it goes from that to they're obsessed with his measurements. Oh, really? Nationwide. They're like, he's got 74 inch overalls Mm -hmm. and he needs a, you know, they, the, the, the grotesque physicality of it becomes, start hammering on it. Yeah. It becomes the overriding narrative. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the early stuff was kind of the early Alabama coverage was a little more affectionate, Mm -hmm. but eventually even like the Tuscaloosa news gets in on it. Right. Really? Yeah. So what ends up happening though, is he, um, at the height of his fame, do you know how far he traveled, just a curious aside, or, like, any interesting places he went? I was you getting just, there? I was you literally, that was the next. I've, uh, yeah. At the height of his fame. Yeah. He gets invited to New York City to okay. appear on the radio there. Nice. So he goes to New York City, and he does a radio interview, mm-hmm. he and Minnie, and we don't have a lot of details about his trip. Darn it. I, I want to hear that. You and me both, man. <laughs> like, I want to... Like I was going through. I, I don't want to go to New York because I'm scared of it, but I kind of want to go to New York just to find this tape in someone's basement. <laughs> exactly. I would love to hear like Walt Cagle in New York. Like mm-hmm. how how was that? Right? No doubt. Yeah. And so he goes to New York City and he gives a radio interview, and people are like, "This guy's great." And so he gets back to Alabama. And he starts worrying about his health Mm. and people start worrying about his health and he starts like rapidly losing weight. Mm. Like there's a real, there's a reversal because he had gotten up close to almost 600 pounds and then there's just all of these fluctuations that are happening, which it sounds like there's something stressing his body out. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, even in one of the interviews that many did, like Minnie Cagle, she talks about how Walt had just been getting worried and staying up all the time, and she attributes it to the fact that there was a man in Tennessee who was supposedly 700 pounds, and Walt thought he would lose his fame. Really? Oh, that's sad. And so he was like, it wasn't the... For a lot of people later on, it wasn't like the weather prediction. It mm-hmm. was the weather prediction was a nice touch, but haha, this guy's right. big. Yeah. And so, um, what ends up happening is Walt Cagle, at the age of forty-seven, dies of a massive heart attack on June 29th, nineteen thirty-eight. Mm. And um, even I don't know, even. In his death, people were like, look at how big the... Yeah. And so that kind of does detract from it. But uh, an undertaker in Albertville went and made a special casket for him. It was, uh, just to still give people an idea, it was seven feet long. Like, the man was... Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he was already tall dude. Yeah, he he already would have been, like, abnormally tall. Yeah. For the time. For sure. So it was seven feet long. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had to have apparently 16 pallbearers. Yeah. 
So I think that's plus the added weight of the casket. Because, mm-hmm. like, six or eight strong dudes yeah. from, like, Alabama could pick up 500 pounds. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it might have just been, hey, he also was well-respected in the local community. Mm-hmm. So he got buried in the Thrasher Cemetery. Okay. In Mountain Burr, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And that's... He was a media sensation, and he and it was the uh, it was the declaration of the death. That's the first thing you saw, right? Yeah, that was the first thing I saw. Mm-hmm. And so going at back and finding out about the life was actually pretty cool because people, at least in the Alabama coverage, they called him a philosopher. Mm-hmm. They called him a seer. You know, there was a lot of there's a lot of like spiritualism and mysticism that goes along with the South, at least in my opinion. Yeah. And especially something as like complex and necessary as understanding the weather. Yeah. That's an old one. Like maybe the oldest one. Exactly. (laughs) Of like mysticism. And, uh, yeah, that's Walt Cable. That's, that's, uh, that's an amazing story. And, uh, I mean, people use so many, I, I was just looking at all the like animals people look at for, weather assistance you know people have people talk about frogs and stuff like oh the frogs are croaking it's gonna be raining but uh, laying down yeah do you have any more details on like you know i know uh he looked at like how much how much uh nuts and stuff people were the squirrels and stuff were stashing yeah do you know anything about other of of his other methods well he like i said he watched he would watch the birds and the squirrels Mm -hmm. and like animals of the field and just yeah if stuff was if stuff looked like if, if the animals were preparing for a long winter mm-hmm. early on, he would be like, mm, it's going to be a rough one. And he was usually right. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I did have the secret fun fact that I found when I was digging through, <laughs> trying to access Noah's website and failing. Apparently, you can tell the temperature, the air temperature, by counting crickets, like cricket chirps. Really? Yes, within... Uh, at first they thought there was there was actually some farmers almanacs that cited this and they'd say like for well, 15 seconds you count uh, how many cricket chir- chirps and you add what was it 40 to it and it gives you Fahrenheit like that direct and they did studies and then there, I found like two papers that backed it up uh, that were pretty fairly recent but they say 13 seconds oh. so you really that's the secret. Well, 13 seconds, but apparently they just chirp faster, gets hotter, I guess. So. Uh, did they find a way to convert cricket to Celsius? They did, but it was more complicated. And, you know, my basic American mind was like, I'm not doing that one. It was like divide, count for 14 seconds, divide by three, and then, <laughs> then add something. So you know how Fahrenheit actually figured out the temperatures for stuff? Uh-uh. He, he bought, like, all the pickle brine in a town mm-hmm. and just was measuring it at different ambient temperatures. <laughs> I was gonna, totally going to ask you. I knew you had a Fahrenheit story. I was like, that guy's that yeah. guy's ultra famous. Yeah. He probably got like three or four of them. I mean, he just, all I know is he was really. He was a briner. Yeah. He bought a lot of pickle <laughs> brine and was like just dipping. <laughs> just, <laughs> he was a pickled tippler, dipper, if you will. He was just dipping stuff into him being like, how cold is this? Um, thermometers. Mm-hmm. That's the word. <laughs> There you go. You learned so much on Huntsville in this time. Uh, this is an educational episode. Learned how to count crickets. Learned how to count crickets. Well, I mean, uh, there's there's so much. Uh, the weather has been talked about, and it's still a complaint of many. Yeah. And it will be in the future, it seems like. So, 
there you go but yeah the dude thanks so much for bringing this one in it was awesome yeah he's he's a he's an interesting fellow mm-hmm. and there's more like that out there somewhere i wonder if he's got like a, a good stone still like a tombstone around yeah or anything it's still i've been there, to thrasher but... before yeah yeah it's still out there that's amazing yeah i think is well i think many is buried next to him mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome yeah that he got to be buried next to his wife do you know the name of the radio station that was in New York? Oh, God. No, but I think if uh, if I do some more digging. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to start calling people in New York and be like, hey, by the way, do you have any uh, records from this time period? Do you have uh, just laying around some tapes from 1937? Might have been a weather prophet yeah. from Alabama, maybe. If we find it, we should definitely just put them up on the website. Oh, for like, sure. Yeah. The Huntsville blog. Yeah. Just be like, this was uh, this was old boy. <laughs> well, doing it right, man. Do we, Can we tease any of the upcoming episodes for people? Um, we had a we have a little list yeah, we, of stuff. We went and did some housekeeping, and we're like, we should probably... <laughs> Maybe we should start planning. Figure out... <laughs> yeah, because... Ben Job was like, it's season two. And I was like, well, how long is a season? <laughs> so, it just naturally became season two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I came back. It's true. Um, I'm, we might do an episode on an abolitionist leader from Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> you guys will have to fill in the blanks. We might do an episode on the yellow mama. Mm. Oh, man. Which, that one will probably be rough. <laughs> We'll go back to the dark side. <laughs> that one will be back on the... All right, for those that don't uh, know, uh, Yellow Mama is Alabama's electric chair. And mm. it ran all the way up until 2002. And it was... It's the most insidious name for an electric chair. Like, old Sparky, you can you can almost, like, anthropomorphize right. it. But Yellow Mama sounds like something that's, like, waiting for you. Yeah. Like beneath some wallpaper? No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> Just as long, there's no wallpaper in this house. It'll be fine. Yellow wallpaper is a reference to very popular. Anyways, yellow mama sounds scary. <laughs> um, then count the things that go over Ben's head on today's episode of Us <laughs> Villain. <laughs> and then uh, long term, very long term. Uh, we want to do an episode on who are the McGeehees. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Notorious. Yeah. The other day I was thinking and looking through records, and I noticed that the same family mm-hmm. keeps showing up in, like, 20% of the assaults. Meddling. Meddling in something. Yeah. Between, like, the Mississippi Territory and the 1850s. <laughs> like, they just cannot stop hurting folks. Yeah, send us some ideas if y'all got ideas. I mean, uh, yeah, we might look into them if there's proper data. I mean, yeah, Damn. if we can go and find some good stuff. I also, when I was in Coleman County one time, because mm-hmm. I was looking up the the tick fat dynamites, dynamiting. The tick fat dynamiting? Yeah, we might talk about that. <laughs> that could be a whole episode. I've not heard of this one, so that'll be news to me. Yeah. Uh, they. I just think about Lyme disease and I talk about ticks. They were trying to do like cattle tick control mm-hmm. in Coleman County and people weren't a big fan. And so mm. there was like a lo- very small localized terror campaign. 
uh. <laughs> <laughs> localized terror campaign. Uh, well, I mean, it was it was really a thing that happened nationally. Like in Florida, the cattle agents were getting murdered by farmers and stuff. But yeah, that a long prob- history of uh, federal and uh, <laughs> local authorities. So yeah, I said that to say this when I was down there looking for info on it. Yeah, like Coleman had the most active mm-hmm. um, haters of tick vats. Lovers of ticks? I don't know. Uh, you don't mess with... We mess with our ticks. You, <laughs> you don't, don't mess, mess with, with our ticks. ticks. <laughs> That's If you want to know how Alabama works, <laughs> it's like that. You don't tell us how to vote. We tell us how to vote. Yeah. Uh, I found... <laughs> I found a couple of very early sodomy cases where, like, the mm. same few dudes kept getting arrested by the sheriff. Really? And so I was like, maybe we could do something on, like, LGBT history, which is really difficult to do. Oh, yeah. Because there's not a the, lot The of... suppression is hard and depression. Like, yeah. uh, what do you call it? Denial? Yeah. The there's sort a of... lot of those ki- types of uh, feelings in the South. Exactly. I mean, it's definitely a thing that's always existed here. I mean, mm-hmm. whatever. There's that old saying, um, every man in Biloxi is gay after midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to Biloxi. Just, just to <laughs> randomly drop that into a conversation. Yep. Well, you know what they say? <laughs> after midnight in Biloxi, yeah. every dude's gay. But... Uh, <laughs> Or it might have been like Natchez, one of those like old Mississippi. <laughs> you get the wrong, you get the wrong city, and you bring that up. You get some weird looks. You know what? We're gonna roll with it. Biloxi, it's on the Mississippi Tamale Check blimp. Biloxi is a strange place. I'll tell you. Is that the place where they have the casinos out in the water so they yeah. can say it's technically it's not, not like not in the city? The They're cas- like, there's a foot of water right there. There, I got a pier. Yeah, the casinos are in the ocean. <laughs> Um, so stupid (laughs) sorry yeah so this is how hard we deny stuff in alabama like we don't gamble but if you go a couple feet into the water (laughs) then we're gambling (laughs) i mean alabama and mississippi which are just you can always say that i mean it's a reverse image you can always say mississippi's a backwards alabama or alabama's a backwards (laughs) mississippi like we're just backward reflections of everything (laughs) i was i was in a history of alabama class one time and the teacher accidentally drew mississippi on the board (laughs) and everyone was like it still works like (laughs) yeah man yeah that's true (laughs) like you just do a 90 degree we're always fighting for last place down here we're just like in a knife fight for last place in America. <laughs> oh man, you, me, and Louisiana. Like, all right, we gotta. Yeah, we gotta cut out. This is the longest overdose. Outro. Overdose. Outroed. We're outroed. But yeah, check us out online. The Huntsville and Blog. We're working on uh, a new a new stream for the for this for the uh, the podcast, and that's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. Yeah, we got a book. We got the blog. We got the podcast. We're gonna be working on an audio play. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was gonna be announced, but I'm so excited you said it. It's I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Hunts Villain is a podcast recorded at Spice Rack Studios in Huntsville, Alabama. You can check out John's blog with information from the podcast and more info at huntsvillain.wordpress.com and on Facebook under Hunts Villain. The podcast is hosted and written by Mr. John O'Brien and co-hosted by Ben Job. 
Thank you to our donors and volunteers who are the sole supporters of Spice Radio. If you want to help support Spice Radio, go to SpiceRadioHuntsville.com and click donate. And remember, you can find great local music and podcasts 24-7 at SpiceRadioHuntsville.com. Thanks for listening and stay spicy.